social history with absolutely no tasting notes. I'm Tim and I'm joined in the virtual pub by my drinking buddy, Ilary. What are you drinking and thinking about today? Hi. Sorry, just put flying saucer in my mouth at the worst time there. Uh, today I'm drinking a tropical IPA from Tiny Rebel, Club Tropica. I'm going to crack it open. Right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to you. I've got... Um... I've got an espresso martini, which I have served up in a proper martini glass. It has a nice foamy head. And um, <laughs> you know how, you know how like when proper cocktail people <laughs> put um, coffee beans on the top of your espresso martini and it balances nicely and prettily? Where is this going? Well, I thought I'd do the same, but the only coffee beans I had were covered in chocolate. So I've got <laughs> them on top and they... <laughs> They're too heavy and they just sank to the bottom, like like olives. <laughs> so um, if I just sort of start gagging at any moment during this podcast, <laughs> it's because I've um, checked on um, vodka-soaked coffee beans. Well, unfortunately, you can't do the Heimlich over Zoom, so please don't die. <laughs> I'll try not to, <laughs> but um, <laughs> if I do, just have a good go of editing the podcast. <laughs> I will. Stand over GTs for a change and see what happens. <laughs> God, can you imagine like watching that over Zoom? The paramedics come in. <laughs> I'd have to explain. It's a coffee bean. It was in his martini. <laughs> it's so extra. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So what are we talking about today? It's not. It's not choking to death. No. Um. I thought we'd just talk about cheers in in general. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers in. All right. Well, because we've already done one. Cheers, haven't we? In a previous episode, we terrible sex, terrible sex, the curse of terrible sex, otherwise mm-hmm. known as the Estonian turdy sex. Um, so I'm sure there's going to be plenty of opportunity for more mispronunciation and offending mm. people's nationalities as we go on. <sighs> what I do best <laughs> <laughs> offending nationalities other than Welsh, which we do on a regular <laughs> basis, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, there's another reason for cheersing today, and that's because... Stop trying to make it about you. On the date of this release, it's my birthday! Nobody cares! No, happy birthday, Tim. Happy, happy birthday. Penbloy Tapis. Didn't understand that. Yes, you are. Hey, <laughs> I'm supposed to be the one offended people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you will this time. Whatever well, I'll kick, it off. Was, I'll kick it off with a yes, you to your birthday. Mm. Well, you, I feel like you've already given us our starter for ten. What? What is? What is Yaki Da? Yaki Da uh, directly translates to good health. Ah, okay. And as we shall see, good health is the meaning of most of the cheeses in other languages. We find probably about ninety percent of them just do mean good health, and there are some exceptions. Uh, mm-hmm. which we'll find later on. But I thought we'd begin with the history of cheersing. Are we up for the history sesh? 
strap it in. Let's go. Okay, no, in. in. Put the strap on in. Oh, God. Off Just we go. Um, <laughs> so, cheersing probably originates in ritual drinking for gods and for the dead. At least that's what we know from history. That's what we know from written records because the ancient Greeks describe it, for example, as libations. I used to think libations just meant drinks, but it's actually this ritual. Um, had, had you heard of that? Uh, I'm just thinking about lube, if I'm honest. Sure. Is that because of what we just said in the intro? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think libation sounds like lubrication. Right. Lubricate your throat with some libations. Exactly. Um, no. So libation is specifically the act of pouring out some of your drink in honour of, of God's deities or the dead. So that's what a libation is. And we think that's a waste record we Hmm? Libation is waste in your booze. It's wasting your booze. It's ullage. It's spiritual <laughs> ullage. <laughs> but, you know, just apart from that being the historical records, I think that cheersing has to be as old as alcohol itself, which is, you know, as long as we as a species discovered slightly overripe fruit and thought, mm, that's tasty, or as long as we've been doing agriculture and making bread and, you know, wheat and sipping beer through straws, I reckon there must have been some active cheersing because it feels so central, so much a part of our ritual life. What do you mm -hmm. reckon? It's, it's as old as alcohol or we had to wait until there was like gods and people's honour? No, I, I think so. I mean, it's that feeling you get when you're drunk. You just want to share that moment with people and I think hugging and cheersing it just naturally would have happened I think. I've observed that for you the act of cheersing happens when you're drunk as opposed to when you're about <laughs> to start drinking. I, <laughs> no I'm thinking <laughs> I'm placing myself in like a an Oktoberfest scenario when I'm on a long table with stein beer and it's like wages that kind of that's my kind of cheers that's my favorite kind of cheers. There was no identifiable moment of sobriety in your world here. It's just... <laughs> no, I mean, by the time it got to the toasts in my own wedding, I was pretty far gone. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. That's, that's our standard for that. All right, so <laughs> we know that they did stuff for, for, for the gods and so forth, but what about cheers in between people? Well... The evolution I can find for that is that toasting became this duty that you did to people in power. So in the first century BCE, um, in the Roman Senate, they said that you had to drink to the health of Emperor Augustus at every meal. Um, and, you know, in a way, like their emperors were sort of seen like had the power of gods on earth. So you, you start seeing it going from sort of a spiritual to an earthly matter. But the thing is, when you start to bring things down to that level and look at people in power, you're also going to get a mockery of that because with power comes satire. So it starts turning into this drinking game rather than just an honorific. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, we have a record from the poet uh, Marshall. We call him Marshall in this language. He's Martialis in, in Rome. And he wrote... Marshall the, Mathers. Marshall Mathers. Yeah. That famous poet. That famous poet from, <laughs> from the first century CE Rome, yes. From D12. <laughs> he, described, he described his mum's spaghetti um, in ancient Rome. <laughs> no, he didn't. He said, um, 
there was this practice where each guest had to drink as many glasses of wine as there were in his mistress's name. Yes. If you've got a mistress, Proserpina, then 10 glasses of wine you have to drink and that's the game. (laughs) I like it. I deliberately have loads of kids and give them really long names. (laughs) So that their (laughs) partners would have to drink a lot of wine? Yeah, because I just like the thought of a massive night out with Chris and he's like, oh God, I've got a drink because Aleary Harve is a stupidly long name. (laughs) (laughs) And I just like to think that that would be the same for my future daughter's partners. I would definitely think that kind of goes into choosing a mistress. I'd go the other way. I'd be like, I would choose my mistress, Ada or something, just to make sure I can make it out the other end of a night. I mean, that's still a bottle's worth of wine. God, it's a, what, sorry, I missed it then. Is it a bottle per? It's a glass, a glass of wine per letter. Per letter, wow, yeah, so that is a bottle of wine. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I mean, in fairness, their glasses were probably smaller than ours. It probably wasn't a 250 mil affair. So my, my name would pretty much be two and a half bottles then. Is that your excuse for how you behave now? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, so in this country, we see, it's not really the first record, it's the first suggestion is from 450 CE, uh, which is a recorded toast in England, given in honour of uh, the British King Vortigern by Hengist. Now the thing is, we don't really know if Vortigern was a real person. He could have been like a King Arthur type. Um, you know, they were just describing a warlord because this was written by Geoffrey of Monmouth in the 12th century. So there's a good chance he was sort of making it up or it was based on various oral histories. But the record goes that Hengist's daughter, Renvin, or Rowena, offered a goblet of wine to the king and said, Lord King, Weisheil, which just means good health. And then after which they they both drank and Vortigern proposed marriage to her because he was so enamoured of the toast. Nice. I bet that's a really nice thing to just shout by tail. Yes. Well, it, it's now turned into wassail, as we would perhaps oh. know it. So the holiday uh, wassail bowl, and we're going to do an episode entirely on wassail in the future, but it takes its name from that Saxon toast of Weisheil. Um, mm-hmm. And traditionally, that, that was a large single bowl from which everyone would share a drink. And then you see that evolve later into a loving cup. So you'd have two handles put onto it and you pass it from diner to diner. So they would all take it in turns to drink. But mm-hmm. this, this um, particular detail I like that the guests would stand up three at a time. So as their turn arrives, one person passes the cup, one drinks, and the other one is there to uh, temporarily defend them while they're defenceless, holding the cup and drinking. Which I think is a tip that, like, if you ever go back to something like Tiger Tiger, I think I would want that person there to defend me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, was, I immediately thought of my dog. Because um, you know that when, when dogs poo and they stare at you, it's not just to be weird. It's because it's their guards down and they're defenseless. And so they look to their owner for, for some support. And usually you're drinking out of a bowl. I'm normally drinking out of a bowl, but I never break eye contact with my dog when he's having a poop because I want him to know I've got back. 
Oh, you take the duty seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Does he return the same for you? Do you? Um, he wouldn't because I've got a very needy dog. He does kind of sit by the bathroom door. I I close the door, but he does sit by the door waiting. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. This episode is not about dog poop, right? No, it's but fun. speaking of the loving cup and the shared cup, that yeah. has evolved to the king's cup. Mm-hmm. I've I've played that at university. Have you? <laughs> um, not that I know of. What's the king's cup? Uh, so it's the drinking game where you'd have like a communal drinking vessel in the middle of the room slash table and you'd have a whole deck of cards surrounding the glass face down and you take it in turns to just take a card from the middle and then it would depend what card you took but it would be god i'm trying to remember what it was so like the smaller numbers would be like the number of fingers that you drank. I think Ace was Waterfall, which is when everyone does like a kind of Mexican wave style drink until there's no drink left. Um, but the kings, if you picked up a king and it was the first king, you'd have to pour some of your drink into the communal cup. Uh, that would happen right the way until somebody picked up the last king and they'd have to drink the communal cup. Well, that sounds disgusting. Um, I like that you you think that's come out of the loving cup. Hell, yes, it has. <laughs> I mean, and to be fair, I could have done with somebody to defend me and look after me many a times when I've drunk from the mm-hmm. king's cup. <laughs> mm-hmm. That sounds grim. Um, what you described, I would. I, I know one aspect of that, which uh, we call a dirty pint where you just tip your leftovers in so you have you yeah. have a glass in the middle when everyone's kind of nearly finished you tip your leftovers and then there's some sort of forfeit event that means someone gets that at the end but we didn't yeah. think it was a full card game there's um there's stories i heard from rugby clubs with dirty pints that i don't wish to repeat please don't so the term <laughs> so trying to crack on so the term <laughs> toast <laughs> Um, as in drinking to one's health, it does come from, I don't think many people know this, the literal practice of dropping a piece of toast into your drink. So in the 16th century, um, what you would do is put a bit of scorched or spiced toast into your wine, especially if it wasn't good wine, because then it would soak up some of the acidity and it improves the flavor by, you know, adding some toastiness and some spices to the wine. What do you reckon? Um, I'm imagining it like a Christmassy thing where rather than toast, it's like a piece of stollen and it's in mulled wine. <laughs> you want cake in your wine? Yeah, I think that would be nice. <laughs> Why have bread when I can have cake? You're saying Marianne's for that. <laughs> <laughs> but do you not think that would be really nice? Um, yeah, I mean, you put a lot of booze in Christmassy cake anyway, don't you? So might as well go the whole yeah. hog turn into some mm-hmm. kind of super fair. <laughs> oh, they would do this in the 16th century and also to soften up uh, stale bread if they had it. So it was either poor wine or poor bread. Might as well just put them together and balance it out. I think oh. next time I wake up and I go to make breakfast and my bread is stale, I'm just going to crack the wine open. <laughs> exactly. Get some Lambrini and your Mouldy Kings meal on the go. <laughs> oh, God. We all know that. Start the day. <laughs> 
sipping it out of a bowl while your dog watches you as it's pooping. <laughs> oh God. That's your life, that is. <laughs> so we know this toast and the wine thing is true, or at least I think I do, because um, Shakespeare mentions it in The Merry Wives of Windsor. So he's got this regular um, comedy character called Falstaff, who's always drinking. And he's in like the history plays, there's some like comic relief, and then he gets his own play in The Merry Wives of Windsor later on. And he calls for a quart of wine and says, put a toast in it. So I think there really is no other interpretation than that must have been what they were doing. When I hear it like that, put a toast in it, I imagine like a full slice bush in. (laughs) You're you're still picturing them drinking out of large bowls, aren't you? Yeah, with slices of toast in it. (laughs) (laughs) Buttered. Bit of Marmite. (laughs) (laughs) Bit of Marmite. Oh, Marmitey wine. I wonder if Marmite's ever done a range of wines because you know they do like to mix it up with their products, don't they? Yeah, I'm going to try Marmite and wine. Marmite's one of those weird things where you think it's really not going to work with something and it does. Well, maybe you could do that for the next episode because so far you've had a lot of success with like mixing experimental (laughs) drinks and making your own booze. It's gone really well. So I think if you try that one next time, we can... um, all assess whether it was a good idea or not. Yeah, I think if it's going to go with anything, it's going to be red wine. So <laughs> next next podcast, I'm going to have a nice glass of red with some marmitey crumpets. Okay, we look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was that was sort of Renaissance times, and then um, alas, when you follow the 16th century, you get the 17th century, which brings us Puritans. Boo, Puritans! They spoil all the fun um Mm -hmm. and they were rabid anti-toasters they did not like all this behavior and one of the examples i've got for you is william prynne who was a lawyer and a polemicist uh polemicist is just someone who likes to argue i mean i suppose lawyer as well really but um he wrote this book in 1628 called health's sickness which is exactly just like raging against people having fun with booze and he says this drinking and quaffing of healths had its origin and birth from pagans heathens and infidels yea from the very devil himself so you know if anyone could have done with a a nice relaxing glass of wine it's probably him and we've got this comment from samuel peeps who in his diary he went to dinner with prin uh, one evening 1664 and he reported back that Prynne refused to drink to anyone's health, not even the king's, but, and I love this description, sat down with his hat on all the time. Uh, we, we know exactly him, don't we? You, yeah, exactly. Everyone knows that guy. Yeah. <laughs> the one who wouldn't even take his hat off and sat in the corner refusing to toast anyone's health. I love the details you get from Samuel Pepys, just so to the point. <laughs> Um, all right, so 17th century. By the 18th century, it kind of meets halfway in the middle again. Uh, so the term toast has come to mean the person honoured by the toast. So went from, you know, um, I mean, imagine cheersing existed, you know, way before in this whole time. Toast got dropped into the wine. Along the way, toasting comes to mean the act of cheersing. And then it turns into the person who they are cheersing. So they've come to be known as the toast of the town. I see. Makes sense. I'd like for one day them to mix that up and 
put somebody in the wine. <laughs> and I'd like that somebody to be me. <laughs> okay. Um, do you know what? I'm going to say put a pin in that thought. And in a future episode, I'm going to tell you about all the horrific ways um, that people have been drowned in wine and the reasons why. Because <laughs> there are examples. Okay. Um, all right. So, so we'll go into Victorian age. We're getting into what is called polite society, which is the absolute worst. Every time I hear anything about women in the Victorian age, I just think kind of been hung. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, probably. I mean, you were a Celtish pagan. That was good enough reason to banish you. <laughs> we get to polite society and you are no longer obliged to drink your entire glass of wine for each toast which is what the tradition has been before. Out, done, nope. <laughs> <laughs> done with this century, move on. Um, <laughs> so it was now considered okay just to have a sip um, of, of your drink instead of drinking the whole thing. That is, if you're a man, if you're a woman, maybe you don't drink at all because um, the advice from the mid-19th century etiquette manual was that toast, the um, woman should just catch the toasty's eye quietly and unobtrusively. And the honoured lady should bow with politeness and then smile with an air of great kindness. I would do all of that whilst putting the bottle of wine in my bag <laughs> while I've got their eye. <laughs> oh, got his eye, quick. <laughs> Distraction. <laughs> just smile sweetly <laughs> as you secrete the bottle of wine about your person. <laughs> <laughs> Shove that in your muscle. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, it, I just can't fathom it. Nope. <laughs> um, one more thing from around that period. Actually, we're going back a little bit into the 18th century. Um, and this is a tie-in for Americans. So you would get, I mean, obviously you would get like knees up drinking songs. And we're not going to talk about that today. But you would also get what would be like an official toasting song. So if you were a member of a club, they might sing a song before they start drinking or afterwards or, you know, to accompany dinner that was sort of like our club membership. And there's this guy called John Stafford Smith, who was a published um, musical compositionist. And he wrote this piece called To An Anacreon in Heaven. Anacreon is the Greek poet who is known for writing um, poems about wine. <laughs> and in London, there was something called the Anacreon Society, which is basically a gentleman's club who were dedicated to wit, harmony, and the god of wine. So, you know, a bloke's club for piss-ups, essentially. And they adopted this song, To Anacreon in Heaven, um, and that was like their musical toast. But the melody of it got so popular that it was used for a number of different popular songs. And we call that a contrafactum when you rewrite lyrics to existing song. And the most popular of those made its way over to the US in what is now known as the Star Spangled Banner. So the no American national anthem is based on a London gentleman's club toasting song. Well, well. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call it a strip club. <laughs> sure. You do so that. the American national anthem came from a strip club. In an inaccurate nutshell, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been neglecting my um, espresso and I need to get down to this bean. So uh, can you tell me some kind of fact or other? Yes. Can I talk about toast again? Sure. 
Um, so there is a place down in West Wales. They brew their own, I think they brew their own beer. Pretty sure they do. They do cider, um, but they also have a distillery and they make lots of lovely spirits. And one of their lovely recycling projects is to use the leftover bread from the local bakery to make a gin. The distillery is called Coles and um, they've got a pub called the White Heart down in West Wales. Um, and yeah, it's really, really nice gin. Um, you can't taste the bread or anything, but it's really, really nice. And it's a nice thing to be able to feel like, oh, I'm contributing to a zero waste project with this lovely bread gin. Mm. They also do um, moonshine. I think we discussed moonshine in previous podcasts when we were talking about brewing at home. Yeah, well, we talked about bathtub gin. I'm not sure yeah. we specifically did the origins of moonshine yet, so we'll do that <laughs> in future. Yeah, we should. <laughs> but they do a really nice... I always imagine moonshine being like, blow your face of strong, horrendous stuff, but they do really tasty moonshine. Um used with fruits from their local farmers they do a rhubarb one which is very nice uh strawberry i've not tried the others but the rhubarb and strawberry are very good um have you ever had any toast related booze oh yeah i'm so in a similar manner i'm familiar with toast ale so toast ale is also recycled bread Um, so they make yeah they make beers and so forth from their recycled bread and they um use their profits to support um environmental projects so they're a non-profit as well um and you know if you go on their website you can see all sorts of facts about the land they saved and the water they saved so they they use the bread to replace the barley in that process that's what it's used for um Mm -hmm. and i also was on there the other day and they've got a um uh, a downloadable recipe for beer bread so it's worth a little look for some bonus content. But yes, Toast Ale does a similar thing I'm aware of. I just remembered that I, I made some beer bread. Ooh. I made it a few years ago. I had it as a Christmas present. Um, and it was essentially just like a, it was a really cute little linen bag with flour and everything that you needed. And all you had to do was add the beer. Mm-hmm. And then you put the really nice beery bread. It was really tasty. Nice. Yum, yum, yum. It's making me want bread now, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> might as matter this. Um, so cheers, the word cheers, a little bit more history, and then we'll get on to other languages. Okay. Um, it's, so it, it comes from Greek, Latin roots, cara, then Old French, chiare, and it basically means face, but it comes to mean like <laughs> a good mood face rather than, you know, sour mood face. Uh, but you only find it in publication as the English word cheers in the 20th century, which really surprised me. I thought it would be older than that, but it's not. And the first yeah. meaning of it, early 20th century, is this expression of enthusiasm. You know, uh, cheers to this and cheers to that. Well, didn't they do a good job? Um, and then it's followed as a uh, specifically as a toast you know, so same sort of meaning, but accompanied by the drinking or even let's cheers to something. Uh, mm-hmm. Then after that, the next meaning you get is goodbye. Like if we just had a nice chat and I was like, bye then, cheers. Cheers then, cheers bye. Then, bye. Yeah. And both, <laughs> both of those last two, the toasting and the goodbye are first recorded in Australia. 
Um, mm-hmm. Probably was happening at the same time in Britain too. They usually are, but that's the first place we get it recorded. And then mm-hmm. to mean thanks, like if you do something nice to me and I say, thanks, uh, cheers, Larry, then that comes mm-hmm. in the 1970s, which 70s. is really recent to think that I hadn't, we don't have any evidence. You can imagine like hippies saying it, cheers, man. <laughs> Yeah, hippie movement in the 70s, facts. Um, and then almost immediately <laughs> it gets used ironically as well. So for people who don't really mean thanks, cheers then. Cheers, dickhead. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the example. Um, but yeah, I was I was surprised by how relatively recent all of that was as a tradition. Like in Welsh, when you say goodbye, it's quite I've always found it quite a weird one because it's it doesn't really mean goodbye or it's not anything you'd naturally say when you're leaving but in welsh we say hoyl vawr which is big fun big fun big fun or you just say hoyl which is fun and i always found that a bit strange like i wouldn't say that in english fun (laughs) and walk away no but if you said big fun to me at any time i would instantly think of the early 90s boy band are you uh, too young yeah. to know who they were? I'm a little bit too young, yeah. I definitely remember seeing their album on vinyl at some point, but I don't know whether it was mine or my sister's or an accident. <laughs> <laughs> but you should look them up. They all look kind of look like um, Ken dolls, as far as I can remember. I will definitely be hitting them up. <laughs> um, yeah, like big fun and fun is a weird way to say goodbye. But I still think cheers is a bit of a strange like. I would say cheers as a goodbye, but only to somebody I don't really know that well. It's like a bit of an awkward kind of like, oh, don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Cheers then. Non-committal. Bye. Non-committal word. Yeah. Anything yeah. on Australia while we're there? Yes. They like being offensive when they say cheers. Mm. Um, yes. I mean, I think more recently it's got quite offensive and they see they say some rather offensive words on the cheers like a different c word like a different c word following the cheers word um but they apparently because i say this and i don't i don't know why i say it or where i got it from but apparently it comes from australia is when you say cheers big ears Mm. i've said that cheers big ears um and that apparently originated in australia and it was always kind of met with somebody saying singles big nose i didn't know that so it sort of started off as light insults and now it's gone progressive exactly cheers big ears and same goes big nose just wasn't hitting the spot for them (laughs) (laughs) nice good australia facts right i think we should go into non-english yes so i'll begin with poland okay so uh, Polish for cheers is Twoje um, zdrowie, mm-hmm. again, just means good health. Um, mm-hmm. But the reason I thought I'd start there is because I also know a Polish drinking song. Well, it's, it's, it's a drinking song, but it's also a birthday song. It's kind of like how we would use um, For He's a Jolly Good Fellow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and the yeah. lyrics are... Well, they're stolat, which means like a hundred years. It means may you live for a hundred years, basically the thrust of this song. Do you want to know how I know exactly the, the lyrics, meaning and tune to this song? Because it didn't come up yeah. in my research. It's, it's, I was going to say that is, that is some good research if you taught yourself that. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> so I tell you the, the secret truth. 
please pray tell? Uh, so the obvious answer is I was in a Polish TV drama. Of course. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> it was about, I think about 12 years ago. And it's called London Jitsi. I've said that wrong. Um, means Londoners. And it was a TV drama that uh, thankfully didn't get shown in the UK, but it did get shown throughout most of Europe. And it's about um, Polish immigrants in London and mostly kind of working around um, construction, the construction industry. Oh and, my God, were you a builder? Well, here's the thing. So obviously like they didn't have enough real Polish builders in London. So they needed to employ a fey English actor to play one. It was such bad casting. <laughs> I, uh, oh my gosh. Did you have to be like a proper like worry builder? Well, yes. Um, but <laughs> I, so I'll tell you what I had to do. But I, I remember first of all turning up on the first day and going to a uh, hair and makeup trailer. And I walked in and the, the poor woman's face who, you know, had to costume and everything just dropped. She was sat there <laughs> getting ready with a 42 inch um, builder's jeans. And then just looked at me and like, mm, we need two of you to fit this. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so kind of had to wear my own jeans and, you know, put a big high-vis vest on top of me. And they also had to give me fake sunburn to make it look like I'd ever been outside. Uh, <laughs> and then I went off to this building site. Um, my, uh, this, this, the relevant scene is that one of the principal characters was coming back to the site and saying that he and his wife were having a baby. So mm -hmm. you know, cue the celebratory song. And in particular, I had to pop a bottle of champagne and swig from it and then start singing this, this song. And you know, like when you do um, a TV and film, normally if people are drinking, it's non-alcoholic because they have to do repeated takes. So you get like, you know, non-alcoholic or watered down lager and you know, just like soda water instead of gin and tonic and that kind of thing. But you can't really fake it with champagne so well. So it was real <laughs> champagne. <laughs> Amazing. And I had, I got through three bottles of that <laughs> in the day. <laughs> Did you deliberately keep getting it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't need to because I knew they were going to do multiple takes. And I was like, I, even I don't think I could handle much more than that. And it's because we had to keep doing the cork moment, you know, rather than the, the drinking and singing. Um... But anyway, yeah, and then so then I sing the song. Are you prepared? Are you ready to hear it? I'm so ready. Stolat, stolat, niek zoya zoya nam. Stolat, stolat, niek zoya zoya nam. Yeshe raz, yeshe raz, niek zoya zoya nam. Niek zoya nam. Terrible set. Okay, so big in Poland, big in Poland. Um, I Can I just say, yeah. what builder that you know of would just be like, oh, you're having a baby, let me pop some champagne and sing a song? <laughs> well, you know, I did not go deep undercover for my research for this role, so I really couldn't tell you. <laughs> I went as far as the fake sunburn, that was it. That was my background. I'm not, I'm not method. I mean, I get it if you were like in the pub or in the house, but you were on site as well in your high vis and you just yeah. happened to have some champagne. About that house as well, I was working with uh, a Polish person 
years later in in that mysterious company we used to uh, work for called um Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm interested. Have you ever heard of this program? And uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I watched that program when I was back home. And also the house that they were filming that in, the construction, he lived there. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, pretended to be Polish in this actual person's house that I then worked with. Small world. Did he have like a eureka moment where he was like, oh my God, you were the builder? Like, no. did he watch it that no, no, it's not no. like I had a name. I was probably builder too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's move country. Uh, not far away, but let's go to Czechia. So in Czech, yep. it's uh, Nazdravi. And yeah. again, it's good health. But toasting there, importantly, is this rigorous process where you need to individually toast to the health of each person at the table. So you can't just do one general one. You have to do it directly to all of them. Nazdravi. And then before you take your first sip, and usually this is like a full shot of vodka rather than, oh. you know, a wine glass or something, because they do, again, something I experienced through work, you have to do that before you're even allowed your starters and your beers and so forth. And then when oh you do God. that, you have to look each person you're toasting in the eye while maintaining eye contact. And you need to ensure that you don't spill from your drink which I guess mm-hmm. is kind of tough if you can't even take a sip yet and it's a full shot. And then also you're not allowed to cross your arms over someone else's while you're toasting. Oh my God, so it's, it's so actually quite a tough challenge, especially if you've got a big table of people. And the reason they take it seriously is because there is apparently a, a curse you can trigger if you slip up on any of these. And that's that you will have terrible sex. <laughs> Terrible sex! Oh my god, it's come full circle. Yes, exactly. I've, I've actually heard the whole sex thing before. <laughs> You've heard of the sex I've thing? Heard, I've heard of the sex. Okay. The sex, <laughs> good. Okay, your husband's thrilled um, to know that. <laughs> uh, I don't think he knows I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, in Spain, apparently, um, it's the whole, you know, terrible sex thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven years of bad sex, to be precise. Uh, but they've gone one step further in Spain. It's um, if you toast with um, water or any non-alcoholic drink, it's the curse. So oh. they're all about drinking and good sex in Spain. More curses. So curses if you drink non-alcoholic stuff in Spain. If you toast with non-alcoholic stuff, right? You can, you can. I mean, you can drink water anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I ask because there is a um, a country, a culture I found where it's bad luck to toast with beer because it's too weak. <laughs> so it's kind of received poorly if you if you toast with beer. You could do it with your nemesis. That's in Georgia. I've heard they're pretty extreme with their drinking and toasting. Yes, it can be. So I suppose let's talk about it. Um, what happens is it's very it's very formalised setup. So you get a toastmaster for this occasion, who's called the uh, Tamada. Nothing. What's the matter with you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I say Tamada. You say Tamada. It's called. <laughs> Um, they're referred to as the dictator of the table 
<laughs> and they will lead guests in this uh, in this toasting through a feast which they call a supra. So they call the feast a supra, but actually the supra is also like the big tablecloth they put down. So they'll do it at festivals, they'll do it at funerals, that kind of thing. And the toast usually starts out traditionally, you know, to friends and family. Um, and as the booze continues to flow, you know, the toasts, you're trying to think, okay, what should we toast about now? And the tomada has to Smart. empty his glass with each toast fully, kind of like we were talking about pre, pre-17th century. Everyone else in the circle can choose to have a sip when they toast or, and say something or not say something. So it's a bit easier for them. The only rule uh, for them is they're not allowed to speak when they're not toasting. That sounds great. If they want to say something, it has to be in the theme of the toast that the Toastmaster has announced. Otherwise, you got to shut up, but you can drink and eat. Um, and the other thing is that they've, so they've got to finish their drink each time they go around the circle, but it's really shameful for them to get drunk. So oh my God, why so much pressure? Yeah, it's a high pressure role. You've got to be eloquent. You know, you've got to, you've got to think about what you're going to talk about. You've got to control <laughs> eloquent You've got to hold your drink. <laughs> but I've got to say, I kind of like the idea of having this sort of controlled theme of conversation amongst a big group of people so that everyone gets a turn to chip into the conversation. But maybe that's just the dictator in me. In theory, that works if it's like a seminar or something. But when everyone's pissed, that's just going to be chaos. I'm trying to maintain that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, I think this is a seminar. Tom- Tomara, tomato, tomato guy. Mm. Um, so is he employed? Is he hired? Like that's his job, or is it like you no. pick the biggest concern out of the group? Be like, oh, Tim will do it. <laughs> yeah, they get <laughs> they get chosen. Yeah, they get elected essentially. So it's not like a job, like it's not like you'd hire like a master of ceremonies or something for an event. They act as a master of ceremonies, it's exactly like that, but um, they're they're elected from the group because it's, you know, it's a tradition, it's a village tradition, Mm -hmm. it's not just like for formal affairs as such. How good would it be if that is like your job though, Tamara? Like, pretty much like professional pisshead. (laughs) You know, I think you'd suffer if you have more than one booking a week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the maintaining eye contact thing that I mentioned with Czechia, I've definitely seen that grow in this country of late. A lot of people sort of taking that very seriously. From my research, what it suggests is that it came out of 18th century Germany and it was students who kind of came up with a lot of drinking games and traditions around that time. And that keep eye contact or your your cursed kind of game uh, seems to have come out of there. So in German, cheers is Prost and in Dutch, Prost, which again means to your health. We're still on to your health. Um, But the interesting thing is, is, that Prost means bless you in Scandinavian countries, Danish, Swedish, Norwegian. It's like if you sneeze. Okay. You'd be saying, do they use Prost and Prost? No, well, so, Scandi is uh, skull. Of course, yeah. Which um, is the bowl, actually. <laughs> the <laughs> king's cup. <laughs> yeah, and skull is a beer as well, right? I was going to say Skoll beer. I've heard of that. Yeah. So Skoll means cheers. It's a beer. It's also the bowl. 
that they drink ISIS. So they sort of have their own tradition. Yeah, they've tied it all in together on brand. I like it. Um, so what about another one that doesn't mean good health, but is a cheers? I've had to go over to East Asia for that. So Mandarin, mm-hmm. Japanese, Korean, etc. They all go for words that mean empty the glass. So like we might say bottoms up. Neck it. Or, or <laughs> neck it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or the Welsh traditional uh, cheersing of neck it. <laughs> neck it. See it away. <laughs> yeah. Don't drink up. And the other one they have, which I think we'd be familiar with, is uh, ching ching. Which means please, please, but I think more importantly, it's imitating the sound of glasses clinking. Yeah, I I always thought that that was purely where it came from. I I didn't know it was a please, please. Yeah, ching ching, please, please, and the sound of glasses. And it has worked its way over, definitely here, a fair people say ching ching, and I know they say in Portugal as well. Um, But that's Mm -hmm. where it seems to have come from. Is that where the term chin it has come from? (laughs) (laughs) The Brits got all confused. They were like, oh, chin. Yeah, chin it. (laughs) Chin it and neck it. I think probably (laughs) come from the same area of Swansea, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, (laughs) It's it's spelled Q-I-N-G. So it's a ching. Got a G on chin. Chin Chin it. But you do hear it say chin chin over here. Chin chin, yeah. Chin it. <laughs> um, anything else before we sign off, my dear? Yes. Um, the British Navy um, obviously like to drink so much so that they they created a toast for every single day of the week, which I am fully on board for. Essentially, they've just made it that they have an excuse to drink every day. Mm-hmm. And so their toasts were as follows. Monday, they would toast the ships at sea. Uh, on Tuesday, they would toast the sailors, formerly our men, but it changed to include women, so it was just our sailors. Well done, then. Wednesday, they would toast to this is my favorite one, they just toast to ourselves. <laughs> uh, no one else is likely to concern themselves with our welfare, is often the retort and not part of the toast. I mean, I live on my own, I'm used to that one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, on Thursday, they would toast to a bloody war or a sickly season, meaning the desire and likelihood of being promoted when many people die during war or sickness. Mm-hmm. On Friday, they would toast to a willing foe and sea room. And on Saturday, they would toast to our families. And that formerly was our wives and sweethearts. And that retort would be, may they never meet. Ah, I can see how um, some of these have evolved. (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of ones that have evolved, I think the Sunday one is still used now is the toasting to absent friends. Ah, yes, that is definitely a traditional one we've kept. That is a nice one. Have you got any favourite toasts? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mine's um, up the bum, no babies. (laughs) I think... As of about 10 minutes ago, mine's chin it. You know what I'm going to end with because I feel like we disgraced ourselves in those closing moments. Um, I'm going to go with something poetic, courtesy of the the Scottish, the Irish, the Gaelic in general. Uh, Obviously, they they say slancher. 
but mm-hmm. more traditionally as well they always accompany the toast with a poem and the most traditional one is may the road rise to meet you may the wind be always at your back may the sunshine warm upon your face and rains fall soft upon your fields and until we meet again may god hold you in the hollow of his hand of course there is an informal variation of that which we might be more familiar with which is the last two lines get changed to and may be in heaven half an hour before the devil knows you're dead nice bravo lovely in it more more poetry with tasting that's what i say Cheers, Martha Mathers. Marshallis Mathers. And so our glasses have run dry, which means it's time to refill them and keep cheersing until we've represented every single language. So um, wish us good luck, folks. Cheers. Uh, Slancha. Terrible sex. Skull. Chin it. Neck it. Neck it. Up the bum, no babies. <sighs> oh, wait. Um, to our wives and sweethearts. No, you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> to me. <laughs>